Braves, Bulldogs, Falcons, Yellow Jackets, Hawks, Eagles. From the heart of Georgia, it's the Bill Shank Show. Hour number two of our broadcast. Welcome back, and thank you very much for being with us. I'm Bill Shanks with Russ Brown and Skip Seda. We are at the Georgia Sports Hall of Fame in the conference room, our, one of our second studios. We are getting ready for the jacket ceremony tonight where we will honor the inductees, and uh, it's a cocktail party, and then we have a jacket ceremony, and we uh, talk about, or I get to talk about all the inductees. They don't talk until tomorrow, so that'll be a lot of fun. And we honor them, and some of the sponsors are, are here. And then the Fan Fest again tomorrow at 1 o'clock, and then the ceremony tomorrow night. So one of the inductees that we are thrilled is going in, so well-deserved, and uh, he's uh, a great part of the history in this state is Stan Caston, And he, he has always been great to me, and I'm thrilled to have him on the show. I think you were on the show. And I think I told you this a long time ago, but I will say it now again. So I had my first sports talk show when I was 16 years old in Waycross, Georgia. On uh, now I have to say another station. I can't say the name of the station now. Since oh yeah, that's right. I have to. I have to be careful about that. So it was on another station in Waycross that we're not on. I was 16 years old. It was 1986, and I had the cojones to ask anybody and everybody to come on my show. My first guest was Mike Fratello, by the way, Stan Caston. That's great. Who cussed great. me out? <laughs> Yeah, that's even better. <laughs> By the way, I've been on the receiving end of those myself. so <laughs> I can't imagine. I, I, I actually, there was a little bit of a communication problem, and I kept him on a little too long. It was actually the night before the draft because it was June 16th, 1986, and I kept him on the night before the draft. I think that was when you guys traded for Mike McGee from the Lakers. And you trade, uh, what was that we a did. draft, draft did, pick yeah. trade? Yeah. And, uh Anyway, I called him back to thank him, and I, I, um, I think he didn't like my – I think he told me my mother and father weren't married. Um, <laughs> among other things, he called me. But uh, Stan also was asked and came on the show and was very kind, so I, I well, appreciate that. Well, compared to Mike, yeah. Yeah, yeah you, were, you were a breeze. <laughs> we're both from New Jersey, but he's from North Jersey. They got, they're edgy. <laughs> well, I, I, I appreciate you doing that a long time ago. I think you're on our show since uh, – uh, it's a point in the last 16 years, but it's it's good to see you. You do. much as I once did, so it's good to be back here, where, just a couple blocks from where the Braves used to play baseball, Luther Williams Field. That's right, Luther Williams Field, and it was a great uh, run for the Macon Braves here, and uh, you were here a lot when the Braves low A team was here. Had some good teams here, had some good players with Chipper and Andrew in yep. particular. Yep. Didn't we? Yep. Good managers. We 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 prided ourselves then, uh, as I have been fortunate enough to be with organizations through my career that really emphasized that, that really paid attention to scouting development. Mm-hmm. We had a lot of success in Atlanta with that. Washington did too, and of course. Now, with the Dodgers, we, we couldn't be prouder of that effort. It's really the key to sustained baseball success, and uh, but I have a lot of make because of that. When I was interviewing for you, you were great to long interview that day for the book. Uh, I believe you told that Ted and uh, um, Robert Wester threw you back in there for the Braves. 
that the first one of the first things that you knew you were going to have to do was to increase the scouts. And I believe you told me it was because the Dodgers were the ones that had the most scouts in baseball. Is that yeah. right? Yeah, it's interesting. Um, yeah, we were well behind then. Uh, it was philosophy that needed to change. It didn't take me long to figure that out. Um, it's interesting that when I got to Dodgers, just ironic that – 11 years ago when I got to the Dodgers, they had become last in international scouting. Wow, change, really? The change of ownership. And um, and they invented international scouting. Yes. Um, so we changed that as well, too, and we've had a lot of success. But everything we did here in, uh, in Atlantic was as a result of that. People remember how great our young teams were in the early 90s. But the second half of the 90s was because we had one team that graduated – Cuesco and Javi Lopez and Rafi Percal. And unless you have that pipeline, right. you can't keep things going. Right. And uh, yeah, we had a lot of great scouts, as you know, yes. Hall of Fame scouts. Yes. And, uh, and great fan support. Once people didn't know how great our fans were because my first four years, we were under a million attendants. <laughs> and then we went 13 years in a row averaging three million. You know, all, all they needed was a little bit of a reason to come out to the ballpark, and we finally gave it to him. Absolutely. Them. No question. I want, let's go back. Let's start back a, a, in St. Louis with the meeting with <laughs> oh, Ted God. Turner. So you were on a trip yeah. after graduating yeah. uh, to Major League Parks. Were you with your wife, Helen? I was with my wife, yeah, who's here tonight with Okay, me too. good. Yeah. Look forward to meeting her. And you, you knew you wanted to get into sports. You weren't yeah. sure really how, right? Yeah. But then you <clears throat> ran into some loudmouthed guy from Atlanta. I, I uh, so I was I was at a game. It was the uh, Cardinals uh, playing the Braves, and I, I was such a fan that I even knew who owners were. And to this day, I don't know how I knew that was Ted Turner. <laughs> it was his first year owning the Braves. He wasn't the Ted Turner that he became yet, and yet somehow I knew who he was. I was you know on my way back home to be an antitrust lawyer, um, and. Uh, I told Helen that, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm going to walk up and talk to him and shoot the breeze and see where it goes. And after the game, I did. And he was really nice and willing to talk to me and um, gave me his card and said, write him a letter. And I hesitated when I got home, but I did. And I got a call out of the blue one day saying, why don't you come on down for a couple of days and let's talk about this. And I've been here ever since. That's 46, Unreal. 47 years ago. Right? Unreal. Yeah. That changed your life, that game. That well, it day sure did. Yeah, it did. And I would say for the better, probably. Absolutely. Right? <laughs> well, I mean, it, you've done. I could have been an antitrust lawyer in New York. Great. You wouldn't That's be on the Bill Shank show right now. I can promise you that. <laughs> Unless you became the commissioner of baseball, perhaps, which would have been good. So so then you were a counsel. I remember uh, looking through an old Braves Illustrated not too long ago. At the back end, they would put all the employees of the Braves, which was not very many people there. And there was Stan Caston, legal counsel. For, for the Braves. You worked with the Hawks and the Braves. And then um, Mike Garrett yeah. had, had you as his assistant. Yeah, assistant GM for and, a couple of years. And he was kind of one of the owners, and Mike just passed away a year yep, or two ago. a year ago, ago yeah. And, and then you became, at 27 years old, the youngest yeah. manager in NBA history. What was that like? Well, Steve? there was no one around, so Ted said, okay, you're, you're the GM. It, it means <laughs> literally being in the right place at the right time. It was intimidating as hell. Um, I was not a former coach. I was not a former player. I didn't have the profile of an NBA GM, so I had to work extra hard because I did know that 
with it would have been very easy for me to become the youngest ex-GM in NBA history, right? That would have been super easy and predictable. Um, but I worked very hard. There were some great people in the business that time who were very kind to me. Jerry West, Red Auerbach, Pat Williams, they were really kind to a young guy like me, and that helped me a lot. And uh, we had great ownership. People didn't yet know how great our ownership was, but Ted really was the best kind of owner. And that is to say, he loved the teams, he wanted uh, to do all you could for the teams, but he was too busy with more important things to really be in the day to day. He just let us do what we had to do, and mm -hmm. you can't get a better owner than that. That's okay. really good. Yeah. Skipper and I were talking, uh, I started watching the Braves and the Hawks in 1978. Skipper's a little bit older than me, so he goes back a few years before that. But my first team was right around when you took over as GM, and we were talking about how great that group was with Fast Eddie, uh, Armand Hill, Danny Roundfield, John Drew, Tree Rollins, Steve Halls, Tom McMillan, Charlie Chris. Yeah. That was a lot of talent and a good team and, and a crazy coach, too. We uh, uh, He's in the Hall of Fame also. Yeah. Let's just leave it at that. And uh, um, <laughs> has had a great career. It was a really good time for us because we were coming from nowhere. The Hawks hadn't drawn anybody because they hadn't been good Ever, you know, not, not since the St. Louis teams had moved here had they been good. But we finally, uh, we finally put some people in place, and that set the stage for the 80s, which was a really great decade for the yes. Hawks. We had good playoff teams year in, year out. Absolutely, no question about it. And, and then the, the Dominique trade. Yeah. 1982. How did that come up? How did that happen, Stan? Um, we uh, we loved Dominique, obviously, but we didn't have a high pick that year. So um, uh, the GM in Utah was an old friend of mine, uh, Frank Layden. I broke in the same time Frank Layden did. Okay. We had cubbies next to each other in the Hawks' office because Frank was the assistant coach, the only assistant really? coach for the team. Okay. Remember the, the days when you only had one assistant yeah, coach? Yeah, yeah, sure. Uh, um so Frank and I, uh, again, I was young, but Frank was really good to me, and we, we talked a lot. And it was his first time being a GM. He had moved with the team from New Orleans to Utah. Okay. Now, they were having a lot of problems economically, and uh, they, they weren't in love with Dominique, but they liked him and all that, and they thought he was the best pick there, but they needed money more than that. And they came to us and said, you know, we could really use cash. If you guys could swing some cash and some players, we'll do it. And uh, I went to Mike Guerin, and uh, we talked it through. We had some more conversations. And uh, we then finally brought it to our board of directors, which was Ted, Hank, Bill Bevins, and, uh, and Mike Guerin, and me. And, and we, we laid out a couple things we could do. One was Daryl Dawkins. We had a chance to acquire Daryl Dawkins, or we could acquire this kid who's never played in the NBA before, but we think is just something different. And we showed Ted some video because he's a visual guy. And, uh, and we said, you know, but the kicker is going to take a million bucks. And I'll never forget this. Ted turns to Bill Bevins, the company CFO, and said, Bill, can we get a million bucks from the, uh, from the bank? And I said, no, Ted, I don't think we can. And without missing a beat, Ted turns to me and says, Stan, go do it. <laughs> and and that's how we got Dominique. Unbelievable. Yeah. Unbelievable. That is so great. That's the typical of Ted, you know. Ted, he knew what he wanted to do. We'll do it and we'll figure out how to make it work later. Yeah. But 
He said, yeah, that makes sense. Let's get Dominique Wilkinson. That's how we got. And Dominique it sounds Wilkinson. like that from everything I've read. That's kind of how he ran the early days of CNN anyway. Yeah. It's not like he had a lot of cash on hand. He just made things happen. As, as someone who knew him really well when they tried to describe him, you know, what makes Ted different? He has enormous cojones. You know, he just has nerve. Um, bold, really bold. And that's why it was such a great time to be with that company because we were all kind of young and hungry and uh, and it was entrepreneurial. And if you had a good idea, well, then go do it. Let's do it. That was the atmosphere. And, and it worked out really well. It also grew a, a, a generation of executives that filtered all through the media world and, and a few in sports too. That's so awesome. it was a great time. Um, I told Ted last time I was with him, um, he has a party every a birthday party every five years and, and the last time we were with him which was about three years ago he uh i told him that you know i know all our days weren't great but all my memories are great and it turned out okay no question stan Kasson is with us we are talking about his days as the uh, president of the atlanta hawks braves and thrashers as well I want to stay on the Hawks for just a few moments. You, you won two Executive of the Year awards, obviously with Coach Fratello. You had a great run, as you said, in the 1980s, and and the the attempt to get over that hump. Russ and I talk all the time about this organization has attempted so many times to get over that hump. Now, in the late 80s, you were facing an unbelievable amount of competition <laughs> yeah. in the Eastern Conference, like number 23 for Chicago, yeah. Larry Bird, Dr. J's final and, years. And two years of Isaiah. Yeah. You just named the right. guys that stood in our way. Yeah, absolutely. Right. And and those Hawks-Pistons games yeah. were unbelievable back in the day, right? Yeah. Um, we uh, Jason, do you know Jason sure. from back in the day? He and I talk all the time. He's on the show all the time as a Hawks guru. We we laugh all the time uh, about when you got Moses Malone and Reggie Theus. We thought, okay, there's two big name people that might do that and get this team over the hump. You traded Randy Whitman for Reggie yeah. Theus. Theus is more of a scorer, and then you brought in Moses, who was more of a scorer than Tree. You thought that was going to work, didn't you? I did. Uh, to this day, I, I think it should have, and that team should have gone all the way. A couple things, a couple things happened there. We lost Kevin Willis in training camp for the year, and that was a big oh, blow. Wow. But we still should have done it. We lost in the first round to a Milwaukee team that we had swept in the regular season. You know, mm -hmm. so um, on one fateful play and a miscommunication between Doc and Reggie. Why do I still remember plays like that 30 years later? But I do. Um, it was a team good. Sports Illustrated picked us to win it all that year. Wow. As I told Mike, well, I've done my job. <laughs> now the rest is yours. Mike and I are still very close to this day. Um, yeah, I think of all the teams that we had, that was the closest. That was the closest. Mm, mm. Was, was Reggie not a good fit? Because he's, he was a scorer, too? Uh, I, I think we needed scoring. I think Reggie's style of play was different from the style Mike is best at. But, they, you know, that, that's overplayed, I think. Reggie mm -hmm. was really important. Had a good year. Mm -hmm. um, I would say it didn't fit for whatever reason. But I can't blame Reggie. I certainly don't blame Mike. It was just one of those things. Um, like I said, we swept Milwaukee in a regular season and just couldn't beat them in five. So uh, um, crazy. That was a, that was a blow. That was a blow. Then when when Dominique when Lenny Wilkins came in and then 
people always talk about the Dominique trade with with uh, him going to the Clippers for for Danny Manning. You were already out of the GM chair. Pete yeah. Babcock, great guy, yeah. was in the GM chair. What do you remember about that situation? Because that was a great team that year. Yeah, and we did win the division. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, it it was uh, Lenny and Dominique were never the best match for each other even though they're both Hall of Famers too. Um, Dominique was moving on, but here was the most important thing. He wanted a new contract. He was going to be a free agent. Uh, uh, Larry Johnson had just signed an outrageous contract. I thought so then. We can certainly look back and say it was outrageous, but we thought so then. But Dominique's agent says, hey, that's the market. Then that's what we need to have as Dominique started to wind down his career. That was never going to happen here. And this was before there were any such thing as sign and trades. So Dominique, if he wasn't going to get his bird exception number here. You were going to lose him. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, we signed, and, and I would say this was more his agent than Neek himself, but his agent said, hey, do us a favor, trade him somewhere that might sign him. Uh, because we told him we really weren't going to play at that. So we did. We got that year's top free agent, uh, Danny Manning, who in a very complicated uh, situation, didn't re-sign with us. Um, that shock you? Well, not when I found out what was going on behind the scenes. We had a lot of funny stuff going on back in the day. I thought we had a chance to sign him, and I thought that would have made it a really good trade because, as uh-huh. I said, he was the best free agent, except he signed for the minimum with Phoenix. Uh-huh. That was a surprise. Why would anyone do that? And he broke his leg in the middle of the year. And then magically, he gets a maximum contract the next season. So you can draw your own conclusions about what had transpired there. Right. If we had kept Danny, I don't think anyone would, would even be complaining about that. Cause no, we, we would have had not a at young, all. A young star. Absolutely. And while we love number 21, he was at the was end of the career. Down. Yeah, he was at the end. Yeah. 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 Do you have any Hawks questions for Stan that we missed? No, I just want to say thank you. Those are some great. Uh, yeah. Memories. Well, that know. was that was that was that was great fun for me. I thought, you know, when I won my first executive of the year award, I thought that that's the highlight of my life. I was so proud of that, and I've been blessed with even more fun since then. But that was that was just the, a great time. The question that kept coming to my mind though, whenever you mentioned the Pistons, do you still hate Bill Lambert as bad as I do? <laughs> uh, he, he's well, first of all, I, I own a WNBA team, you know, the Sparks, and Bill was. A big competitor in the WNBA. So we have many, many reasons uh, that we can hate Bill Lambert. Lots of people do, but I really don't. I mean, he's had a tremendous career. I never would have foreseen his success as a woman's coach. Who of us would have predicted that? Yeah. Really good. Really good. In a couple different cities. Yeah. You know, I, I don't hate. And Ricky Mahorn wound up coaching for me. Absolutely. You know, later and he was on. great. So, and he and was he great. Was, and I became really good friends with Isaiah, actually. So, mm, good luck. Uh, I'm glad you that, are. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I, I've said Russ uh, is a little bit younger than me and a lot younger than Skipper. And Thank he, he kind of liked the, the Pistons a while ago. Yeah. Uh, when I was a kid, I grew up a Bad Boys fan. Okay. And and I think the reason why is my, my father wasn't into the NBA at all. Right. And I loved pro wrestling when I was little. Okay. So I there think there was know. a I think was, the best combination. Yeah. yeah. yeah so I think so we, we give him it. hell about hey. that a little bit. <laughs> First of all, I do want to thank you for something you've you've done on the show that's never done. 
Remembering I'm the GM who acquired Dominique and not the not one who traded him away. <laughs> That's right. I mean, come on. Uh, and I don't care if you blame me for trading him away. At least give me credit for He wasn't born in Atlanta Hawk, right? That's right. Someone had to go get him. That's right. So I should get some points for That's that. That's absolutely right. Oh, well, and, and you – the funny thing about your career, there's no question in the last 30 years it has turned to baseball. Yeah. But for someone who had the amount of success that you had in your first 15 career years of your career in the NBA, yeah. I asked the question, did you miss the NBA after being so involved in a team like that? And then, even though you were the president, you weren't doing the day-to-day, that was Pete, and so forth and so on, did you miss it? I didn't miss – well, first of all, um, for uh, the, the whole notion of running two teams at once – is insane it's, it's something only ted turner could do and and, and have it work um but for the first two years i was still the gm of the hawks that's impossible okay that's impossible so finally i, I did go hire pete um i'm i'm i love the nba and and since i have left i'm not quite as close as i once was but as i've said we own the sparks my partners own a third of the lakers I have another partner who's a pretty big name with the Lakers and part of my family. Yeah. And another partner of mine owns the Golden State Warriors. So I'm, I'm still deep into the NBA oh, that's and, good. and proud of it. That's proud good. It. That's good. Was it, was it hard to trade people in the NBA personally? Because I think you would get to know the players so much better because uh, there was such a much smaller uh, roster. Oh, I tell people, yeah. Uh, uh, back in the day, um, first of all, when I started, I had players older than me. Okay, that that hasn't been true for a long time. <laughs> wow. But but and there were twelve of us. You know, there wasn't fifteen yeah, then, yeah. and there is no minor league. There's twelve of us. That's it. And we knew everything about each other. That was both good and bad because if you kids having a personal problem, then it's your problem too. Um, so yeah, we were definitely closer to players uh, back then more than you could be uh, today for sure. And, and that was interesting. It was convenient for me because I was. The same age, not necessarily the same background as a lot of my players, but same age, and, and I think that was an advantage for me. It was a lot of fun. We're going to come out and talk with Stan Caston about his Braves career, obviously. And, but before we do, let me say one more thing about your NBA time, and that is something that you should get a lot of credit for, and that is that you were the one that started to draft international hey, players. Thank you for that. Yep. I ask people all the time, try to imagine the NBA day without international players. That's right. Just, just try. That's right. Yeah. I, 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 when, when I was a kid, uh, I, had, I, I would get Atlanta papers any time I could in mm-hmm. Waycross. And I have the newspaper when you traded for Doc Rivers. And when and – I'm sorry, you drafted Doc Rivers and you traded someone that same day. I can't remember who now. But anyway – but, and, and that was one of the first drafts, I believe, that like in the fifth round, there were like seven rounds, I believe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There were 12, and then they went to seven, and now they've got two, obviously. Mm-hmm. But you would spend some of those later round picks on, and I think Sabonis was the first one. Or that was, that was, I think, 86. Right. Before there were rules, the NBA hurried up and made a rule after we picked them. Yeah. And then the next year, um, we, we signed we, – we, drafted Volkov and Tikhonenko and the whole raft of other guys. We finally wound up signing Volkov. Mm-hmm. We tried to sign Marcellonis. Actually did sign him, but we weren't allowed to turn the contract in. That's a long story. Oh, wow. Um, 
But what's really fun about that, uh, um, Marshall Onis and Volkov played in the NBA, but they won a gold medal in 88, as we all remember. Yep. Working out with the Hawks, that was kind of a difficult time for, for us and for me personally. But neither one of them were Russians. They were Soviets when the Soviet Union was together. But Sharunas was a Lithuanian, and Sasha Volkov was a Ukrainian. Oh, wow. And uh, they never wanted to be thought of as Russians because they weren't Russian. They were mm. Soviets. Mm. And I have spent the last year talking to uh, Sasha, getting pictures from Sasha really? from some of the burned out buildings yeah. uh, back home in uh, in, in uh, Ukraine. I think uh, Steve Holman, who will be here tomorrow night, who went in last year as a Hall yes, of Famer right, here, yeah. he, uh, I think he said on the air that he had communicated and, on Facebook with Sasha yeah. Volkov and, and everything and, of course, praying that uh, he would be okay. All right, we're going to take a break. We're at the Georgia Sports Hall of Fame Museum. Stan Caston, who is going in the Georgia Sports Hall of Fame this weekend, is with us. We'll come back and talk about when Ted Turner said, oh, by the way, starting on Monday, you're running the Rays, too. <laughs> We'll talk about that story and more as we continue with Stan Caston right after this. 4.30 here on this Friday. Thank you very much for being with us. Bill and Russ and Skipper here at the Georgia Sports Hall of Fame with Stan Caston, the uh, legendary baseball, basketball, and hockey announcer who is going in the Georgia Sports Hall of Fame this weekend. Of course, many years with the Atlanta Hawks who we were talking about. So uh, now with the Atlanta Braves. All right, so you told me the story. So uh, you were the GM of the Hawks, yeah. and the Braves were in a mess. They had just brought in Chuck Tanner as the manager. They had brought back Bobby Cox as the general manager. Ted was trying to buy CBS. And Ted and then Robert Wessler, who was one of the TBS guys at the time, started to pick on you about running the Braves. And at first you were like, you guys are nuts, right? Well, this has been going on for two years. Uh, Ted wanted me to take over uh, the Braves. How old are you now? Oh, I'm 31, too, whatever, you know. um, And I – but we'd had some success with the Hawks, and I might have been 34, 35 because I'd been winning these awards. You were were showing you you could do the job. And so – but, you know, I mean – and I kept stiff-arming him and – we change the subject and move on. Then I am in, I am in uh, Richmond, Virginia with the Hawks preseason game when Bob Wessler, who was president of TBS, calls me and says, Stan, come on in. Ted uh, wants you to take over, take over. And this is Bill Buckner Saturday. Okay, it was that oh, game. Wow. We're all watching the game together in the lobby because <laughs> that's what you did in those days. Yeah. And um, I said, oh, Bob, come on, we've been through this. Said, no, 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 Stan, not this time. This time, you're taking over the Braves. In fact, Ted wants you to come in Monday, and, and uh, we're going to go over that. Oh, God. So I, so I go in, and, and, and Ted's all excited. Stan, this is going to be great. This is gonna, I said, oh, well, Ted. First, and it wasn't take over the Braves instead of the Hawks. That might have been a thing to think about. No, no. It was take over the Braves in addition to the Hawks. He said, it would be great. You'll be the only guy running two teams. Isn't that right? I go, yeah, Ted, do you know why that is? <laughs> it's, it's such a bad idea. Uh, but I tell people, Ted and I had this understanding. Whenever he and I disagreed, we just did things his way. And, and that's how I became the president of two teams and then later three teams. And uh, the one thing, and he had some thoughts for me and all that. He, and by the way, he said, here's how serious I am. I'm giving up my title. Ted was the president. He said, I'm, not gonna be, I'm stepping down. You're the president. So he was really serious about 
making changes if they needed to be made. And I said, okay, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to, obviously I'm going to do it, but I'm going to take 30 days to really root around to see what I, what I find out, and then I'll come back to you and tell you what I think, which I did. And uh, I did go back to him 30 days later, and I told him our philosophy, which was driven by our need to have the best TV product, uh, of signing that year's hot free agent was, was taking us backwards, was taking us farther away. What it cost you in draft picks, in blocking minor league players, it, it was making you move farther away uh, from winning. Whereas if you took that same money that you spent on free agents and bought more farm teams and added more scouts and added more instructors, you'd get a much bigger return. And he really, he stopped me, he said, Stan, I don't need a lecture. Just go do it, all right? Just go do it. And I tell people, maybe, maybe the most important things ever said in the history of Atlanta sports, because when Ted says, Stan, go do it, he literally meant it. Now, you hear that from owners all the time, but you know, you lose two games in a row, people get fired. That wasn't Ted. Ted was too busy caring about more important things, truthfully, mm -hmm. uh, to interfere with the path we were on. I also said this to him. For the next couple of years, Ted, I I'm going to be the village idiot every night on talk radio. That was a thing back then, yes. right? I don't know how it would have worked with, with the internet or Twitter, right? That would have been difficult. Um, but, you know, going back and, and uh, uh, starting with draft picks and building from the ground up, I, I didn't invent it. It had been around a long time, but it's hard to do. It takes, it takes determination and resolve, and we had an owner that, you know, had that in spades. And so we did have three or four ugly years, and, uh, and then it turned around. Well, it, it was, I think, the most signature moment in Atlanta sports history. I've been watching it since 1978, so uh, all but 12 years of the main Atlanta sports history going back to 66. But I say that because, with all due respect to Ted Turner, and we wish he was still the owner, Ted Turner was involved too much. He was the National League version of George Steinbrenner. Uh, go watch It's a Long Way to October. He was having meetings in the clubhouse. He was having meetings at TBS. He was trying to see what they were doing. He was getting involved in trading Brett Butler for Lynn Barker. He was too involved, and he needed to let baseball people do it. He had John Mullen, whom he didn't really, I don't think, trust very much as far as being the guy to run with it. Your success with the Hawks allowed him to have that trust in someone that allowed him the freedom to say, here. Because I think Fred, Ted enjoyed that power of kind of helping run the team. Hell, he tried to manage one day back in 76. Well, I'll tell you that story, too. So, yeah. But, but he, turning that over to you, and then subsequently you and Bobby Cox and Paul Snyder, who I give credit to as well for, sure. for that, for sure. were there to have that vision. As we said earlier, you – wanted more scouts, which was tremendously important in the equation. And also, Stan, the notion that the Atlanta Braves would never have a starting pitcher worth a damn, and I cleaned that up, because the stadium that you, you guys are in, Atlanta Fulton County Stadium, was a notion that the three of you said, this is ridiculous. This, is, this is, can't be true. Let's try to find pitchers. Let's emphasize pitchers. Let's try to get pitchers. But that, that series of events 
calls the 1990 Atlanta Braves, and then we'll get to, of course, the fourth member of that yeah. member here in a moment. But that period when they were awful, my God, 106 losses one year, 54 and 106 in 1988 <laughs> was awful. But you were drafting Tommy Green, Derek Lilliquist. You were trading for John Smoltz. You had already drafted in 84 Tom Glavin. So they already had him from the 84 draft. And every Steve draft, Avery. Steve right. Avery, 19, probably the best pitching prospect in Atlanta yeah. Braves history. Yeah. That, those series of events are what have the Atlanta Braves what they are. Because I don't know if Ted had continued to try to get the free agent of the month. Because, I mean, I, I, I love the stories of how Ted, because of television, tried to sign Pete Rose and Dave Winfield and Reggie Jackson and Floyd Bannister. Finally did get. Bruce Andy Suter. Messersmith, Andy Messersmith. Andy Messersmith, but he finally did get Bruce Suter, of course. Which... Al Roboski and Claudel Washington. Uh, Al this, this was the problem. That's right. right. Yeah. Uh, Al Roboski just got off the payroll a couple yeah, of years yeah, ago, I, right. I, yeah. I believe. Uh, but, but, I mean, all of that changed. And to me, when he forced that on you, that was the trigger. Because, uh, look, obviously, with all due respect to – we love Bobby and with all due respect to Ted, uh, Chuck Tanner, that wasn't going to work. Bobby wanted to be a manager one day, and I don't think that was going to work. And you kind of allowed that to be pushed along and kicked down the can uh, down the road to be able to make it work and and have a plan in place. And they needed that structure, didn't they? From well, someone. I think uh, uh, first let me talk about Bobby. I think he probably preferred to manage, but I don't know that he was sure he ever would manage because I asked him. Maybe once a month. You ever want to manage? You ever going to manage? You ever want to? And he, he, it was really annoying. His only answer was, whatever you and Ted want me to do. I said, no, just answer the damn question. No, whatever you and Ted Why want me to do. Why do you think do. that was, though? Why was he Because he would never be disloyal to Chuck Tanner or, or to uh, Russ. Uh, Russ, Russ Nixon. That just wouldn't be Bobby. Um, and then I said, Bobby, it's time. You're going down there. He said, okay, let's go. And, uh, wow. And that was Took it. it from there. That, wow. That's that is, man. That just about brings tears to my eyes, man. That is awesome. That is the best story. But I've I, I, I mean, I could see it. I mean, that's how Bobby is, right? He would yeah. not, he would not be that way at all. Yeah. And by, and I know when I talked to Bobby one time years ago about his GM days, he wanted to kind of brush it off. By the way, by the way, check the record. Pretty damn good. It was really good. GM, right? He was yeah. really good. Yeah. I mean, and he he did a really good job and. He did, but also in things like not trading Tom Glavin for Wade Boggs, yeah. things like that, right? That yeah. were going on in the late eighties. Yeah, who? It was the other guy that. Oh, it was. Uh, Mike, I, I don't know. It was David Justice and Tom Glavin for Mike for, Greenwell. Mike Greenwell, right? Which had never been discussed, but the Boston papers were pushing that a lot. That wasn't our plan. Our plan was to get young guys, stay with them, and and let them play here. Um, and, and so, yeah, that was. That was how we did it, and it was because we had great people. We really needed scouts. We really worked hard at beefing that up, and I think we all saw the benefits. Well, it, it, people, we always say when they talk about the Braves way that, uh, and the current manager has said this from time to time because he's part of it. Yes, you know, he is. You know Brian Snicker. The Braves way is all about people, and it's all about people like Paul Snyder, and Bobby Dews, and of course Hank Aaron and his involvement back in the day, and of course you and Bobby 
And then in October of 1990, something else happened, which we'll, we'll take a break and okay. come back and, and get to that part of the story and into the 90s. Okay. And, and uh, I want you to tell the story of you and Ron Gann in the runway in Minnesota talking yep. about the World oh, Series. wow. I, I told you a lot of you stuff. Did. Holy you smoke. Did. Yeah. Um, i got to reread that book. And, and, <laughs> and you told me I don't even know half of it's true or not, but it was good stuff for sure. <laughs> Stan Kasten is with us. We are talking Braves and Hawks and having a great time here. We'll take a break and be back with more right after this. is our time. We are at the Georgia Sports Hall of Fame, Bill and Russ. Stan Kasten is with us now. Ron Reed, former Braves pitcher, is going to be with us in just a little while, and we'll uh, we'll talk with him. All right, so uh, Russ Nixon had been fired. Bobby was back in the dugout in 1990. He was still the GM and the manager. You told him pretty much, all right, you got to pick one. You were looking for a GM. You were in a meeting in New York City, and you decided to ask a friend for advice. Yeah, I was uh... – chairing a committee for uh, Bart Giamatti, player's personal development. Uh, on that committee was George Bush, who was the owner of the <laughs> Texas Rangers then, and a guy I really respected from afar, John Sherholz, with the, the Kansas City Royals. And it had been 10 years since I left New York. I had not been back to Yankee Stadium uh, since I had left, and I had grown up at Yankee Stadium. And... Uh, the uh, the Royals were playing the Yankees in the afternoon game, and John said to me, hey, I got a car. I said, uh, I'd love to go. He said, oh, come with me. So we went and spent the afternoon at Yankee Stadium just talking about everything, and I was talking about the search I was going through, and, uh, and I said, give me some names, give me some thoughts. So we had a really good day. And so this was um, late July, and... Uh, Things were uh, happening. I had reason to talk to John anyway in the next month because we had some stadium issues, and they had George Toma, the mm -hmm. famous uh, groundskeeper there. And then it was like the first week of September uh, we were talking again, and John said to me, so how is your search going? And, and I don't know, there was a different tone. I said, hey, let me stop. John, is this something you'd be interested in? Yeah, well, maybe, and that changed everything for me. Because um, I, I, I could not have dreamed up a better thing for what the Braves needed right then. And so we, we did talk. We did spend some time. And he came secretly to visit me a couple of times. Again, this was before the Internet. So no one knew <laughs> that we were talking to him. Every, every person in baseball had been rumored to be getting the job. Uh, and, and in fact, the day before, and he turned me down, by the way, like the last day of the regular season, he turned me down. I remember that day because I had to go meet with Dion because um, we were about to sign Dion Sanders. It was, anyway, so he turned me down. And uh, I had a disappointing weekend. Sunday morning, I was out, and he calls my home, and, and Helen says, John Sherhall's called. And as soon as he called, I said, uh, he's coming back. So, and that's what he did. And uh, we had a press conference on Tuesday, and until the press conference, no one in the world no knew one. we were hiring him. We had done, and John and I are both incredibly proud of keeping a secret. And today, it really probably would not be possible. Um, but we did keep it a secret, and uh, I would say our fortunes changed on that day for 
big time. No question. No question. Larry Himes, Jack McKeon had been the two names, at least publicly, that had been talked about. Yeah, and, right. and you There know, are eight people walking around the earth today who think they were the next choice. <laughs> and I've never said You've ne- yeah, nope. You tell me that. You've never nope. said who nope. was going to be the one. No. Nope. Nope. But, again, people. And, and with all due respect to those other folks, it was the right person at the right time and the right situation for John Schultz to join the three of you. Yeah. For for you and Bobby and and Paul, I want to leave him in there, to to be joined by someone. Paul Snyder's always said to me, you know, we already knew baseball. Mr. Schultz taught us how to win. And that that was like the last thing that was needed. Yeah. And the the push that was needed for you mentioned George Toma, who was still alive at nine. Yeah, how about old. I just did another Super Bowl, yeah, right? Yeah. And unbelievable. And of course, uh, Ed Mangum came from Kansas City right. with with John, right? But but that button down approach came with John from Kansas City and the Royals way, which and I learned this in in preparation for my book, which went back to the Orioles way, which was also tied into the Braves way because of Paul Richards, yeah. which is incredible. Um, just great baseball people that knew, and Lou Gorman and Roland Heeman, and so many people that were kind of under that umbrella. But Sherholtz was just part of that, and the relationship that you had with John and that John had with Bobby. Uh, we talk now about the relationship that Brian has with Alex, and I, I mean that is so crucial for success to have that type of chemistry in that front office and dugout. Is well, it? well, you can't have egos everyone has an ego but you can't have them overriding the collective goals i think alex and brian are a perfect example for how that works i'm proud they both have worked for me yes by the way by the way if i get credit for anything i'm going to claim credit for this i've hired three people to run baseball teams for me john sherholz mike rizzo uh, andrew friedman so that's worked out mm-hmm, absolutely pretty well, but it's but it, it speaks to how important that element is. You've got to have the right person with the right tools, you know, and uh, and the right direction. And we had that here in Atlanta, and we had great ownership. We had great, great ownership that was letting us do what we needed to do. That wasn't going to in, interject that wasn't going to interfere and i hate to use that word because owners don't interfere they own it they're entitled to do whatever they want but they don't serve their themselves well unless they hire the best people let them do their job sounds easy sounds easy it's really difficult to uh, to put into effect you know no question no question roy, roy clark a uh, longtime scouting director for the braves uh, he told me one time that you were so great because when they would need the different rules, of course, for the draft uh, at that time, when they would need more money, <laughs> that, okay. that they would go to you and tell you why. And sometimes you would have to go to Ted, but there was always a logical explanation one way or the other. Usually it would get done. Uh, let me talk to you about Roy for a second, okay? Roy, one of the great scouting directors ever. By the way, has worked for me at three that's, franchises. That's right. Washington uh, and L.A. Yep. Roy – Right before a draft one time, says, Stan, we have this one player. I will give up the whole rest of the draft. We don't need to sign another player, not one other player. If you let us pay extra to get this one player, he's that important. And it was Jeff Francoeur. Mm-hmm. And I said, you got it. Let's go. So we did that. And they says, 
by the way, Stan, there is this one other guy <laughs> who's really good because that's what a scout does. And I said okay to that too. And that was Brian McCann. Brian McCann, that's right, that's right. No, he he gives you credit for it. He he does. But that that was again what is so key in this story is the relationship that you had with the people. And John has said this too, right? I mean, the, the relationship he had with his people, his yeah. people in the office, yeah. his scouts, yeah. he was so it was so important to him. All right, so you you guys have that ninety one season, which Bobby always said was probably as special as even ninety five because it was unbelievable. And you're in Minnesota, and you and Ron Gann are in the runway at the Metrodome. Isn't that yeah. where you were? Then yeah. Clean it up now because we don't want to it, pay it the was, FCC. Uh, so we had just gone worst to first. And we're in a World Series, by the way, against another team that had gone worst to first. This is impossible, right? <laughs> and, um, and we had flown in uh, like the night before from Pittsburgh, you know, uh, probably didn't need a plane because we still couldn't believe – uh, this was happening. We finished last, last year, and for the last four years. How, how could this be happening? And, and so in the Metrodome, the, the clubhouse is way upstairs. There's a long, long, long staircase down to the field, and I remember standing at the top looking down, and Ronnie is standing there right next to me, and I said, Ron, I, I, I choke up thinking, of, we're in the World Series. He says, yeah, and we're going to win it too. And we came really close. I talk about that oh, only like once a week when people describe pain to me, oh. uh, like oh, no. a heartbreaking loss. I said, let me tell you about heartbreaking losses. How would you like, you know, lose a World Series? Okay, that's hard. That's hard. I, I can respect that. Losing game seven? Oh, that, oh that's unimaginable. Mm. Hold my beer, okay? <laughs> Losing extra innings of game seven? Yeah, that, that was tough. With both teams? Having bases loaded, nobody out in the eighth, that's a, that can't happen. And uh, so that's what, that's what that year was like. It was something, no question about it. Well, we've only got about a minute and a half left. We are, are so thrilled for you to go into the Georgia Sports Hall of Fame. You deserve this. We've talked about your contributions of leading these, these teams. We have a group of leaders this year going in, and you're at the top of that list. And, and we, we just appreciate what you did and – we wish you were still here, but that'll be another hour we could get into. But uh, you know, the leadership you. here is pretty damn good. It is, but we I mean, miss they you. are a world championship team. They right? are, I mean, yeah, they are, they are. But we 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 miss you, and and we uh, we do. We thank you for what you did because it, it, I I just think it was a vital part of history for this state to have you involved in both of those teams, and especially with the Braves and what happened. And and it's uh, something I think every Brace fan especially should really cherish and respect and honor you for. So don't well, forget about us here in Georgia. Guys, thank you. You know, it's still my home, and I appreciate anyone remembering this. Next time I come on with you, we can talk about the Thrashers because I had some fun there too. <laughs> I'm still close to a lot of those people too. Um, but it really is great to be back home and to be here with all of you, and I'm really looking forward to it. So well, thank you. Thank you. Stan Kasten has been our guest. He is one of the owners of the Dodgers, and we, for his sake, didn't talk about that. <laughs> we'll take a break come back we'll continue from the georgia sports hall of fame with ron reed and more as we continue here on the bill shank show